Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lambers. Right before the show, I just wanted to mention and use this opportunity to wish our guest, Ms. Jessica Maranozo, a happy birthday. Um, it was very ironic that the episode was going to be published around the time of her birthday. So I wanted to take this time to just wish you happy birthday, Jessica, and just um, wishing you more life, more prosperity. Thank you for taking the time to be part of the show. Um, I wish you more, more love. I wish you happiness and joy. Um, and I hope that this episode can really encapsulate at least a sliver of just the amazing person that you are and the amazing things that you will be doing in the future. So we appreciate you um, on behalf of my family and then on behalf of my Blackest Transnational. Um, we just want to wish you well and uh, we hope that you all enjoy the show. Happy birthday again, Jess. All right, let's go. Welcome back to my dad's podcast, season two, My Blackest Transnational. Follow him on Twitter or Instagram. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye! are listening to my black is transnational and coming up on this show we will be having another one of our let's gist conversations where i just converse with you or anyone who is interested in talking with me about their experiences being transnational being black um, or just your black experience and just have questions and we just have a nice little dialogue about your day-to-day experience and, and growing up and being transnational and what that has done for you or what that will do for you or whether it's positive or negative whatever the case may be so it's a fun time for us to just kind of be able to talk that's really it we're just having these conversations where we just just like family um i know some of you all have asked me about the um, pillow talk with dr wanda and that will be coming up soon very soon again i have to mention you know we got the the pregnancy going on so that kind of we have to make sure we were delicate with that so we will make sure to get that to you for sure and uh, that'll be coming up very soon so do bear with us i know some of you all enjoy it and i enjoy it as well and, and, and we'll make sure we get that going but in the meantime we still have this let's just um, conversation as well that adds to our repertoire. All right, before I introduce our guest, let's get through the formalities. If this is your first time listening to My Blackest Transnational, you can find this podcast on any of your favorite podcast listening platforms, whether it be Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to good podcasts, you can find it there. And we ask that you rate, review, in addition to subscribing all right so we want to see your reviews i want to see your ratings we really appreciate your feedback it really helps us as far as visibility but it helps me as far as being able to tailor this podcast best for your listening satisfaction all right we can also find us if you want to contact us and communicate with us you can find me at black transnational underscore on instagram you can find the podcast um handle on twitter at mb transnational uh, if you want to know a little bit more just get some overarching information about the um the show you can definitely check up check our website at black slash podcast and that's where you get all the information about the show on that one website Okay, you can also get to look at the guests from past episodes and current episodes. You can get more information about them. You can get their contact information if you want to network with them. So check out our website. It's all informative, all inclusive. It's a one-stop shop. If you, even if you want to be part of the Let's Gist episode, you can contact us through there. We'll get right back to you. 
and we'll set up something, a time, a day, wherever, and then we'll we'll, we'll get this we'll get to talking. So I'm very excited about what what's to come, especially with this let's just. So I, I ask that you continue to to reach out to me and let's participate. All right. So introducing our guest, um, a very very near dear and near and dear friend of mine. Uh, her name is Miss Jessica Imarinezo, and she is in Chicago, where I'm originally from. And, well, as far as growing up, I was born in Nigeria. But anyway, um, so who's a very close friend. She's a very close friend of mine. And this, regardless of the relationship that Jess and I have, when we met at the University of Illinois, we became lifelong friends since then. But Jessica's experience is a very unique one, even more unique than mine, in the sense of being born second-generation Nigerian immigrant, but first-generation Nigerian-American. But she has a very interesting perspective that really adds to this philosophy that I mentioned way back in season one that I call reverse acculturation, where you're born in another country, which is more likely the, the country your parents migrated to. You're born in that country, but you are brought up in a style that makes you feel like you are connected to a country that you probably have never been or you probably haven't been to in a long time so being born in america but she was raised nigerian in that household accent food and all right so she acculturated to a country that she probably never really knew until later on in her life and she gets to talk about how that experience was growing up in chicago while still being nigerian fully in her household and then how she was able to use that experience to connect to Nigeria and build a very strong transnational relationship with her homeland or her father's homeland and how she now navigates between America and Nigeria. But even in America, she wears so many hats. She is a lawyer. She's in entertainment as a lawyer. She's also into, she bartends. I mean, she's a just a full-time hustler. I know for a fact I have never met that many hustlers I mean, there's some some that can match her, but I don't think anyone can be her hustle. So it's, it's definitely someone that if you if you don't know, you now you know. You know what I mean? So just I think a very interesting conversation between my sis and I, and, and I want to share it with you all because I think uh, there's something we can learn from it. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Miss Jessica Marinezo. Hope you all enjoy. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to My Black is Transnational and today we have a special, special, special guest. I didn't think we'd be able to get her on the show this early in this season, but um, I, I'm very excited to have her on the show. This has been my, my sister from another mister for years and years. Um, I know we've been through a lot and we've come through, we've come so far, G. So I have on the show my sister, Ms. Jessica Imarinezo, um, who, you know, is doing a lot of things in Chicago right now. Uh, we went to U of I together. That's where we met. Um, uh, we've kind of grown since then, but you know what? I'm not going to get too, I'm not going to get too deep in it. I want you to introduce yourself to the people. So, um, please go ahead. Welcome to the show. So great to have you. Thank you for having me. It's uh, been a long time coming. My name is Jessica Omwase Imarinezo. Um, I am a lawyer slash event coordinator slash bartender slash so many hats. Gee, the hustle in you is already present. Like, 
man, we've been the hustle has been real since like undergrad, geez. So I'm not even surprised that you have all these things already, including the JD, including the entertainment scene, and 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 so you mentioned a full name. Where where do, where do your people hail from? I hail from Ibohemi Edo State. Tell them Edo State in Nigeria, yes. right now. Yes. Funny enough, though, right? Were you you were you born in Nigeria or, or were you born here in the states? I was actually born in the states, really? but my parents raised us like we were in Nigeria. Really? Yes. Like, what do you when you say that? What do you mean? Like, they raised you out like you were in Nigeria? Like, what was that like for you? For one, even to this day, when you wake up, I've never said good morning to my parents. It's always in our language, Lajefa. I still have to, we call it the degree, which is like not prostrate, but you know, bend of the knee a little bit. Yeah. Doesn't matter how old I am, I can be 50. I still have to greet my parents that way. My mom would say when we're little, when you walk in this house, you're in Nigeria. I don't want to hear finish, eggs, none of that. <laughs> that even at one point when we were little, we weren't allowed to speak English. If we spoke English, when my mom would, resp- would speak to us in our language, she would start saying, my children are speaking in tongues. <laughs> you get scared and you speak your language because your mother's not going to respond to you. Even things such as like buff. I didn't know what bay and buff was, the same word until I was 13, because we took a shower with a bucket and a bowl, just like we're in Nigeria. Yo, in you America? One bucket. Yes, here in America. With a bucket and a bowl? So five of us. Say that again? I said with a bucket and a bowl? like like literally, Bucket with, and bowl. The only thing you didn't need was the tall... Did you have to put the towel in the water too? Oh, I used the towel. I had some skin growing up. <laughs> the towel was my best friend. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's the Nigerian experience in America for real. Damn. Yes. Yeah. There was none of that. Any night that we we grew up eating Nigerian food. So the the nights that there was American food, it was like mac and cheese from the box. Once I got older, I learned how to like cook. Real mac and cheese. You talking about the you talking about the Kraft macaroni and cheese that used to come in a box that you that yes. you put in a pot? <laughs> yeah, that was our American nights. But what I grew up eating Okusi, Okbono, Banga soup, black soup, okra, and like all types of things that it was Nigerian America. But why? why like, what made your parents like put so much? Even despite coming to the U.S., like, what made them so like heavily like? wanting to like raise your kids Nigerian. Like why was why was it so deep? Like it feels like they really went the the extent, even with the bucket and water like that. I love it. That's so deep though. I think it started with both my parents. So my dad came here on a student visa and when he came, the naira was higher than the dollar. So he only came to get education and go back because foreign degree went further in Nigeria back then. Yeah. But he just wanted to go back. But as he was here, he finished undergrad, he did master's, he realized that it was starting to flip. The Naira was dropping, the dollar was increasing. And then he had me and my older sister. So my dad decided, okay, we'll stay a couple of years, then we'll go back. But then, you know, Nigerian economy started going down and the mm-hmm. dollar was getting higher. And my dad was like, well, if we're not going back, we raised them like they're here. Okay. So, like, we're in Nigeria, so that's how it's been. Wow. And mommy just jumped on board as well and was like, yeah, I agree. We're going to raise them like we're in Nigeria. And no yeah, my mom was like, because we are here, don't forget, this is not your land. I know that from jumping. If anything went down, we're going back. 
I mean, that's the that's the whole like that's the whole thing that I find very fascinating because in a sense like how our parents, despite you know traveling, they they don't believe us to be American. That's not how they see us. Not at all. At all. You know, they see us to be like we're just Nigerians who just happen to be here. <laughs> we just mm-hmm. happen to be here to be able to make sure that we become educated. But it seems like as we grow up, they tend to always remind us like, well, don't forget where you're from. Don't forget who you exactly. are. Exactly. Like at the end of the day, just know that this this place here is not forever <laughs> and you have another home that's your real home type thing. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. But I find I, I think what's amazing about your experience, at least as you continue to share with us, what's amazing is that there's some you have that what I call reverse acculturation because you were brought up in a country that maybe as you were growing up, maybe as maybe not you particularly, but I know your siblings didn't get to go visit. Like I know, um, like uh, Ozzy and Obi, you know, they were growing up to be Nigerians, but they've never been to Nigeria until just recently as they became like in their 20s. But they were able yeah. to fully still identify with everything that Nigeria stands for. But like they never had been there. But in that household, as mommy had said, you're Nigerian. When you go outside, you're in America. We can't control that. But we can control making sure that you continue to be Nigerian in this house. And that's what it's gonna be. That's I, I just find that to be very dope. But were they like involved in other like associations, like Edo associations and things like that? What was that like? I, so growing up, we would always go to the north side for meetings. So uh, my early years, like maybe from kindergarten to second grade, we lived in Hinsdale. Well, we lived in the apartments in Hinsdale. So if anyone knows Hinsdale, you know there's mansions over there. So it's a distinct difference. Mm. So we would always go up north to our Islam meetings. So I would hear my language. So for me, that was normal. It's like, okay, there are other Nigerians from our tribe here. The only other language I heard was Yoruba. So when I met like an Igbo person, I was like, why do you talk like that? But <laughs> that was because I grew up in the Edo community strong. Right. So um, then we moved to South Suburbs when I was like in third grade. And that's when I got to be around Black Americans. Because before we moved over here, you would hear them say, why do you talk like that? I'm like, what do you mean, how do I talk? So growing up, I was always fighting someone who would talk about the way I talk. Mm. Because when you're going home and you're speaking your language at home, once you go out, you have to like code switch and learn. Right. So you learn early in life how to code switch. Yeah. Because when you're in your Niger people, you must speak your language. When you're American, you got to, you know, what's good. Mm-hmm. That's facts. And then, so what was that? So I think you just kind of brought up the next question that I was going to even ask you. So I like the way we, we're about to segue. What was that experience adjusting and interacting with African-Americans here? You were born here. Your African-American friends are here. I mean, technically, you're an African-American, but your interactions with Black people when you moved to South Holland was different. And, and why was that? Like, what, what happened with that? So when we moved to Hazelcrest, for me, it's like, okay, there's more people, my complexion, because Hinza was really white. Mm-hmm. I was like, but you know, I wasn't blind to like African Americans and Nigerians. So I'm hoping, you know, if so many black people, more of them are Nigerian, I was sadly mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I remember the first day of third grade, the teacher says, okay, we have a new student. Her name is Jessica Marnaza. Some young head in the back of the classroom <laughs> that I said, what's her name? You African? So I've, it's always been like a, it was like funny for them that I was African, but at the same time, it was like, oh, but she's cool. 
because I would switch and be like, you don't know me. But then I switch and I would speak my accent when I got angry, speak my accent when I got angry. So like growing up, it started to be less of a, a joke to people I grew up around and more of an appreciation. Okay. So, yeah. And I mean, like, and then I think when we get to, you know, then when we get to college, like as we continue to grow from high school to college, I think we start to find more communities. Like, you know, we end up like joining ACA. And I think that's like a place yeah. where you start to be able to really, again, you know, manage our and take pride in our in our sense of um, our country and Africa and everything. But I always feel like, you know, for those who were born here, it's easy to get along with African-Americans. But like, how did your parents feel when they encouraged you? Did they encourage you to be friends with African-Americans? Or they were like, no, stay away from them. Don't mind those are people. When you go, can you go like, how did they how did they feel? How did mommy and daddy feel about that? They would always say, it doesn't matter if they're green, blue, purple, white, but if their head isn't correct, they shouldn't be your friend. <laughs> so my best friend, um, I met her when we moved to Hazel Crest, and she lives across the street, and she's American. And she would come, eat the food with us. She would come to the our adult picnics, everything. So I think for us that are first generation, we're Nigerian or Ghanaian, what say, and grow up here, it's easier for us because we are in the middle. We grew up with Americans, black Americans, so we can be friends with them, but then we also have that culture connection to the Africans back home. And how do you, and what do you think that does for you all? Like, do you think there's an advantage to that or no? It complicates life. Ooh, t- tell me. I want, I, want, I want to hear this because this is the first time someone said it complicates life. Most people just be like, oh, it gives me an advantage and blah, blah, blah. But I want to know why you think it complicates life. Why you feel that way? I think it complicates life because for me, I have friends from so many walks of life. And I have some that grew up in Nigeria. I have some that grew up here. I have American friends. So sometimes when I'm like code switching, I code switch so much. But now for my friend, at first, it was hard to like switch from speaking with an accent or, or I'm going to go with my American friends for older the Afrobeat party. Mm-hmm. So it, that was kind of, of how am I going to do this? I'm going to figure it out. Now my friends understand. Just got it, just got We can go turn up to some Tobago and we can turn around and we can hook, dance it to burner. We can do reggae. Like, but before I got that understanding of my friends are going to accept me as me, it was kind of like, okay, let me put you in this category. You're my Nigerian friend. Okay, let me put you in this category. You're my American friend. You know, it, it, that's what I mean when I say it complicates life because you don't want one group of friends to feel different than another group of friends. Now, do you think there's some tension or do you think, have you ever experienced or noticed any tension between your African-American friends and your, your African friends? In college, yes. In college? But I won't say now. Yes, in college, yes. Okay. Like, what about, like, in high school or anything before that, before college, you know? So I went to two different high schools. I went to Hillcrest, and then I went away to Illinois Math and Science Academy. So at, and it's called IMSA. At IMSA, I had the culture shock. And there were only three Nigerians in my class. One of them I'm still good friends with, child to Sydney. <laughs> but um, there was no, oh, I'm Nigerian, you're American. I graduated 13 black people, including the three Nigerians. So we were all just black. Right. So that wasn't the comp- that, there was no complications there. But in college, there was like a distinct difference. There was ACA, you know, the Nigerians, Ghanaians, Jamaicans, 
Haitians, you know, whatever, the African diaspora. And then there was, you know, the Black House, the Nesbitt, um, men of power. So there was like a separation. But at the same time, it's like we would we would hang together, but you could always tell that it's like, oh, those are the Africans. Or, oh, just because we don't have African friends today, not American friends. Yeah. I mean, I think we kind of have that same experience as far as at some point in time, the older we got, the more we were just like, you know what, this is who we are, man. You're going to either get with it or not. But I, look, I think so. Rock with both. You're going to rock with both. And that's, you know, it is what it is. So now, we before we, um, I want to talk a little bit about you like going to Nigeria. Like, when was the first time, like, what was your experience traveling back to Nigeria? Or, you know, did your parents take you? Did hmm. you decide to go yourself? Like, I want to hear about that as well, real quick. Okay, so parents of us were young because my parents never did a traditional wedding, so they had to do it because my grandfather and grandparents did not acknowledge their marriage until they did it. So I think the first time I went back, I was, I want to say four or five. I can't remember exactly, but we did like, I think three months in Nigeria. And then uh, I went maybe a couple times again with my parents. But then as I got older, I went first, I went and got my dual citizenship on my own. Okay. I went and got my Nigerian passport. And um, I think I was like 22, because this was right after college. So I had money now. I could travel. I remember And that. I started going to Nigeria religiously. So my first time going back, my dad um, picked me up, because my dad goes every year religiously for a couple months. And it was kind of like, Okay, Jesse, this is your crash course on learning Nigeria. So when I say I learned everything, Nigeria, I learned everything from pumping water, um, put it on the gen, knowing when Nepa comes, knowing which AC you can run on gen, which AC you can't run on gen. Um, I rode Keke. I even had to ride Okada with my cousin, mm-hmm. both of us, so that was an experience. I, um, we drove to the village. We drove to Bini City. I learned quickly how to bribe police so they don't take the rest of the money that you have. <laughs> it's just I got a real crash course on how Nigeria is. And I just started going by myself after that. And lucky for me, even though I never grew up in Nigeria, I blow pigeon. And I speak with my dad and my uncle. So that's how I'm able to keep up. And then my cousins keep me up afloat because it's how words be changing. Right. So they just keep me like, no, 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 this is what that means now. Yeah. And that's the only reason why I can make it when I go by myself. I mean, you know what? That's you know the interesting thing for the listeners. Um, when she says "gen," that means a generator. Okay, it's for the electric yeah. for electricity because Nigeria struggles with inconsistent electricity um, and su- supplies. So you have to have a generator in every house. Um, uh, Keke is like a, a three a three uh, tired um, taxi, <laughs> and Akata uh, is a motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, Akata has a motorcycle, motorcycle. Uh, taxi. So that's just for the listeners who may not necessarily know the slang that we're using. We're just in our, we're in our zone right now. So, uh, yeah. So you say you've been going there. And you've been you've kind of been doing it yourself. Like, what the what what do you really enjoy about being back home? It's something about the moment I landed in Nigeria, and the heat first hits you as soon as you get off that plane. It just feels like home. Yeah. It just feels like home. And sometimes when you're here in the States, before you find like a Nigerian community, at least for me, I always felt like an outsider, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because even within the Nigerian community, I didn't meet a lot of Edo people until like I got to college. And most of them were related to me. Right. 
So when you go to Nigeria and you're just walking and then you get, you hear you like your language on the street, even in Lagos, where you're not like in your original region, you hear somebody scream, oh, yeah, which means like young girl. You're like, oh, it just feels right. And that's what it is. Even though Nigeria has its problems, it just feels like home. Yo, you know, it's funny. And, and um, when you say that, because I think that's, that's so true and it's so deep because, and one of the things that I think people have to learn when you, when you come back home is in order to really feel comfortable though, like no, no lie. You have to feel like you have to be ready to be aggressive when you're in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, man. Like I was telling, you know, I was telling my wife before she came to Nigeria with us when we traveled, I was telling Wanda like, Yo, when you come to Nigeria, like, there's a reason why us Nigerians, it doesn't matter whether you're first generation or you're just second generation, first generation American, whatever. If you decide that you want to go to Nigeria, you have to be ready to ginger yourself. Meaning you have to be mm-hmm. ready to, to, if someone is like, when you come to Nigeria and somebody's ready to interact with you, you can't be on some, oh my, yeah, you know, I'm just here. Thank you so much. And you they know, will they, smell they, the meat. They can smell, you. they can smell the tourist in your blood, like, like a, like a mosquito. Yeah. So I tell, yeah. like I don't know. So I told him like, look, you don't have to have an accent per se, but you have to bring that Chicago kind of attitude, me mugging type of style Perfect. with you, because Perfect. that's what it works, yeah. right? Because if somebody comes in and be like, oh, auntie, you know, can I, can I, welcome, Moya, welcome, come on, you know, come on, shine for us now. We know that you, you come, mm-hmm. come on, like, open markets for me. Are like, you serious? You have, you have to be like, come on, come on. Like, you have to be confident. Yeah, you have to be confident. You have to be able to tell them, like, why are you disturbing me? Come on, leave me alone. Can't you see I'm trying to go to my, can you go, like, come on, from here. like, you have to, you know, be very animated and, you know, the culture yeah. difference is that sometimes you'd be like, oh, that's being rude. And, and I'm like, that's not rude. Oh, Nigeria is tough. Like, Nigeria has seen, if you want to know rude, <laughs> you don't know rude. Like, Nigeria has seen. If you want seen, to know rude, try and enter a book in Nigeria. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's interesting that you have, but, it, but like, did you have to learn that quickly or did you know that before you got to Nigeria? I, I knew that. Okay. I knew that. And then I'm close to one of my cousins that she also was like, yo, nobody will sell you. So we will go to the market and we'll price things ourselves. Yes. So going to a Nigerian market is not like going and they say, oh, this is $4.99. Everything is negotiable. Haggling. As long as it's not in <laughs> ShopRite, which is like the Walmart of Africa, as long as it's not in ShopRite, everything is negotiable. If anyone says, oh, that's too... No. So my cousin and I quickly became this dynamic team when we hit Balogun market. Oh, yeah. We don't speak English. We'll speak our language to each other. And any price we want to pay, we'll get. Someone can say something's a thousand naira, which is equivalent of like three dollars and like twenty five cents. Right. Not even maybe it's less than three dollars. Me and my cousin will walk out there paying four hundred, period. But that's because there's confidence and you have to know what you want. Because in Nigeria, if you come and you come correct They'll have nothing to do but respect you. Yeah, respect exactly. goes a very long way in Nigeria. That's why as, us as Africans, we do not play with, di- with disrespect. Exactly. Once someone disrespects you, that's going to be the end of a friendship forever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. It's, that's it, just the Nigerian mentality. You you have to be you have to be strong and confident, right? And you that's as you mentioned, like when when you are haggling somebody in the market and you say, "Oh, you know, my sister was your you know was your last price," and they say, "Well, it's, you know." For five thousand, is it five five thousand? Why for this? 
Oh, and he speak your language it's your you know it's your cousin and he say walk away we can find this thing in in sokoto market or wherever you want to say and he'd be like ah I, come on now this is not how it's supposed to be now come on do customer for me now come on, come on, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, come on open market anyone that says come on open market now lie so you're telling me before me you never sold anything Lies. but it's a hustler's world yeah they have to hustle that's their bread and butter yeah that daily bread you can't knock the hustle daily bread that's what we call it no so okay now the you also mentioned the whole thing with pigeon you know i think that's one of the hardest things um pigeon is to be able to sustain that language mm-hmm. because pigeon is always evolving like you have just like you know just like in america here when we have our when we speak in our slang you know we go from like is lit to turn and all that stuff well, pigeon, no cap <laughs> no cap now right you know and then all of a sudden you now we talk about apply pressure all that whatever but like in in pidgin as well, broken English in Nigeria, that's what we call it, pidgin. We we have to keep up with it as well, and it's very hard to sustain. You have to like surround yourself with people who are either there, who can tell you like, okay, now this is the new saying, right? Like this is how this is the new slang in pidgin, so yeah, you can kind of keep up, so you're not saying anything old. So like, is it like through like communicating through like WhatsApp, or are you like, is it when you visit or when you Skype people? Like, how do you? keep up with the with the pigeon so you can be able to communicate? So it's a combination of multiple things. Okay. You'd be surprised how much... First, I learned from movies. I remember when I was little, I would learn from movies and I would speak with my, my dad. But now that I'm older, I have some friends who've moved back to Nigeria. My cousins I talk to all the time. When I go, I make friends because there's a lot of people who either went to school in London, Europe, and they moved back to Nigeria. So they go through the same thing as us who grew up here go through. Um, but you'd be surprised. Social media, you can't learn pigeon quick. Facts. That's well, if you think about it, first thing in the morning when people wake up and check their phone, say they go to Instagram, it's six, seven hours ahead. So you can wake up and see everything that's going on the day before everybody else's day starts and you're hearing pigeon. So I noticed, like, I'm like, ah, the changes were was that. So I asked my cousin. My cousin keep me afloat. So it's literally the whole with, listening to videos on Instagram or watching things on Instagram. I even keep up with Nigerian news. Yeah. Even this big Gorda show in Nigeria, I watch it. So it's like it's immersing yourself without physically being there. That's how you can't stay up to float on pigeon. That's how you stay up to float on anything. Do you do Nollywood? Do I do Nollywood? <laughs> what is holy? All I know is Nolly. <laughs> I have to set you up, man. I have to set you up for that. Do you do Nollywood? Of course I do Nollywood. Nollywood is the best. I do Nollywood. Nollywood is the best. It's the best. I do tell I, people. Now yeah. that um, Wedding Party 2 is on Netflix, I'm about to go watch it. Yeah. No, I... I and I've even fact, gone to the movies in Nigeria. You said you watch what? I've even gone to the movies in Nigeria. Oh, yeah. People think... People think when you go to Nigeria, Lagos, it's like a complete world. There are places in Lagos, in Nigeria, that you feel like you're in America. Mm-hmm. The only difference is randomly the lights will go out and they'll flick back on. But other than that, you feel like when you go to the mall or shop, right? It feels like you're in America. Nothing's different. But the, Niger- me, at least. the Nigerian movie watching experience is also different because people don't people don't necessarily stay quiet in the movies. There's always these like side, side comments that just make the movie so extra. Like <laughs> people are commenting on what's going on. It's very animated. Man, oh man, you make me want to go back home now. Um, but <laughs> 
but before, so I think now you also mentioned in the beginning, you talked about how you are involved in like the entertainment scene, you bartend and all that. So like, you know, with the Afro beats world, like what is that like, you know, for you? Like what, what got you into that experience with the Afro beats and really getting into that entertainment scene? So to be honest, I kind of just fell into the entertainment scene. So um, when I was applying to law school, I knew that I had to give up working full time. So I was a paralegal. So I was going back. And I was at Como, no money for at least a year. So I got a bartender license. And literally, Nigerian connection is how I got to where I am. So um, Napa president at the time, his name was Boye Shobiton. Boye introduced me to a Ghanaian guy who was managing a bar, a lounge, and I started bartending there. And this same guy, Matt Brooks, he later be, we, me and him later became friends. So when that establishment closed, um, another Nigerian DJ reached out to me because we randomly talked about his events and, you know, I like support and he's, he's um, also a adult. So uh, he asked me to start promoting with him and his brother. So I started promoting with DJ D-Money and DJ 3K. And then as that happened, I would coordinate some events for them, their concerts, their comedy shows. And so I started coordinating their shows that I started to meet these entertainment people and their managers. And then I became good friends with Mastercraft. And then that's when I started to meet more artists. And I was in law school. So as I'm finishing law school, we're talking about how we can segue and get these Nigerian artists, their royalties, get just things here. Because as they're playing music here, our music at least, on the radio stations here, these Nigerian artists need to be getting their their cut. Yeah. Because when they play songs on the radio, American artists get their cut. Even if it's pennies at the time, as it adds up, that's money. So my goal now is to try and get Nigerian artists their cuts, their gold, if you want to say their royalties. But at the same time, I always fall back on bartending because I really know the social scene in Chicago is the Nigerian and social scene and bartending is just a way I've met so many people in the social scene and it also segues into being a lawyer because you'll be bartending for someone they'll be like oh, what do you do and I say I'm a lawyer and they'll be shocked I'm, I'm a Nigerian first I'm never too up to bartend so as as I've interlapped all these worlds of being a lawyer and entertainment scene trying to get like IP and learn trademarks I've done, I help people do their trademarks things like that as I continue to mix these worlds, I just realized this is where I want to be. I love the law. love, but at the same time, I love the entertainment world. I love our music. So you can make anything happen with the JD. That's so I'm mixing these worlds. And I want to say my biggest accomplishment thus far is my friend Matt Brooks. He had an idea about an Afrobeat street festival called Passport Vibes. And we threw the first one. We threw it in June, and it was a major success that now there's potential to make it national. So to know that something that your friend envisioned and you assisted him to make it become a reality, and now it might become something national, that's huge. And that all came because when you backtrack, it's all Nigerians that helped me get to where I am today. Yo, and that Passport Vibes that we talked about, I remember seeing that this past summer, and uh I'm very excited for what's to come about that because I think there's not that many of those types of scenes where it's a it's a fest dedicated to like you know the Afrobeats and just the African entertainment scene and just 
and not the old school, you know, not your old school, like, um, you know, I go, I'm, I'm a type of, you know, uh, vibes from way back where you, but you bring in more current contemporary, like vibes and people are feeling like what's going on in the entertainment scene in Africa, like today, right? Like kind of bringing yes. that home away and from And we didn't just close it off to just Nigerian Ghanaians. We found, we did a dance for So we found, we connected 22 different DJs in Chicago. So what it was is like literally a nine-hour festival. So we had two stages, one indoor, one outdoor, and we had every DJ had an hour set. So we had American DJs. We had Nigerian DJs, Ghanaian DJs. We had a Ugandan DJ. We had Jamaican DJ. We had a Belize DJ. So it literally was the African diaspora. And we had events all day. It was a festival that incorporated the family. There were activities for the kids. There were food, food. there were vendors. And we also brought um, the DJ from London. His name is Jules, DJ producer, I want to say. And he closed out the festival. And then, of course, we did what we did best. We flipped it to a party at night. So it was just like a full day success. I was tired. <laughs> I was up working 22 hours straight, but it was a success. And it was great to see people in the area. So it wasn't just Africans. Because it was in Hyde Park, and Hyde Park was a very diverse area. So you had white people dancing, old, young. So it was just great to just see the community come together and just appreciate Afrobeat music. We even did a, a yoga session with Afrobeat music. We had so many activities that we tried to cater to every scene we could think of. And as as we're growing, we're just trying to think of more things to add. And we already know we probably maxed out our space, so we have to make it grow to the other side of the lot. And it's just good to see people appreciate being black. Yeah. Yo, I don't think there's a better way to be able to end that than what you just said. So we're going to stop there, but I want to just thank you for taking the time. Um, I know it's kind of early where you're at, but I want to <laughs> thank you, my sister, for taking the time to be on the show. I mean, I think you just really captured a lot for the listeners, just the transnational experience from a second generation, first generation American, Nigerian American, but second generation Nigerian is because of your parents. But you just shared with us the experience of what it is to be Nigerian like in America, and even when you're talking in an interview, like I found it very interesting that you weren't even like saying, "Oh, I'm American." You were saying, "I'm a Nigerian first. Like it was so, it was so dope to kind of hear that. So, um, and just shout out to your pride, shout out to your hustle. You've always been a hustler since day one. Um, but I definitely appreciate you <laughs> taking the time on the show. And just for y'all who who don't know, this is my my son's godmother that's on the phone too. So yeah, it's a, it's a little biased, but you know it is what it is. It's all love. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thanks for being on the show, man. And if, if you have do you have an Instagram, do you have a, a social media platform you want to share with the listeners in case you want people to follow you? Yes, follow if, what you there, if there are any followers, any people in Chicago who are interested, I also am helping with coordinating African Fashion Week because of course. I'm a busybody, but um, my Instagram is Jess underscore O-M-O-A-F-E. So Jess underscore Omoafe. And I'm pretty sure if you just ask any Nigerian in Chicago, do you know an adult girl who's named Jessica and is a lawyer? They'll definitely point you my way because I know people from all walks of the Chicago scene from professional to club. Formerly known as Jesse Goon, but we've grown past that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've grown past that. <laughs> 
Yo, sis, man, thank you so much for being on the show. This was fantastic. This was fun. And um, I hope that you can join us again in the future. But we're definitely looking forward to whatever you're doing. Please let us know how we can support you on the show. If you have any events, anything that you can do or share with us that we'll share with the audience, man, do not hesitate to let us know. Oh, yeah, I'll be back on here because scholarship is my next thing. Yes. So I'm going to start tapping scholarships. It can't just be all fun. So you'll be hearing from me next. I got you. We're we waiting. All right. Thanks for having me on the show. Bye. Right, bye. Run down me. So that's going to conclude our episode. I'd like to thank our guest, Miss Jessica Marinazzo, for joining us and having a great conversation with me, which I hope you all enjoyed. If you'd like to hear more of these types of conversations or you'd like to listen to past episodes of the podcast, you can check us out on any of your favorite podcast listening apps. And please subscribe, and we'd love for you to rate and review the show. You can also learn more about the show going to our website at blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast if you want to just follow me on instagram i'm available at black transnational underscore you can also email us at black transnational 17 at gmail.com all right so until next time i'll be signing off my name is dr kalei Bay lamberts my black is transnational and i hope by the end of this yours will be too peace